So welcome to the very first episode of Across the Pond, the world's, well as far as I know, the world's only and first English language SHL podcast. And newest. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> my name is David Ashbaugh and of course my co-host Sixten Funquist. Hi there. Uh, a little bit of background about who we are. Um, I grew up in White Rock, British Columbia, Canada. Did some play-by-play for some junior teams over in Canada and decided to come across the pond and test uh, out the waters here in Sweden. So I've been doing the play-by-play for the SHL in English for the last three seasons and 610 as well. No stranger to hockey. No, I've grown up in the town of Linköping where we're at uh, right now, uh, supporting the local team. Uh, started writing about hockey instead. Instead of screaming at hockey players, I write about them right now. <laughs> and I've done some play-by-play as well. Exactly. Filled in for me when I was uh, I away last season. I did, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, obviously, just getting... As Christina interrupts us so rudely. We should say we're in Dave's kitchen right now, and we're just trying stuff out, so... Yeah, we're not too sure how this quality will turn out, but... Nope. Christina's just going to make some noise for the next few minutes and interrupt us. I'm sorry. And Dave's going to do some editing. <laughs> so, obviously, 6N, um, leagues around the world are cancelling seasons, everything's getting shut down, and... And SHL. or postponed. And as far as I know, this is the very first time since the 50s, I think, that the SHL has cancelled the postseason. Yeah, I think so too as well. And I can't remember, well, obviously I can't remember, but I don't know the reason for the last cancellation. Yeah, and obviously it's a terrible situation and hockey fans around the world are upset, but obviously it is an understandable situation as well. Everybody's got to take precautions in these unknown times. So... Uh, I guess we'll do a quick rundown of how the regular season finished. Luckily, we were able to get all 52 regular season games finished, the last of which was played behind closed doors, and it was an odd feeling to watch a hockey game without any crowd noises. Yeah, you did uh, work that night, did you? Yeah, I did, and it was it was different. And uh, one of the things that you definitely noticed, you could pick up a lot more of what the players were saying on the ice. And it's not always uh, the nicest words. It's not always PG, that's no. for sure. But uh, obviously, Lulio had their best season in club history this yes. year, which is unfortunate for them that they don't get to compete for the championship in the playoffs. Yeah, they did. I mean, they had a 106-point season, which is by far... Uh, franchise record uh, as did Rugle the Rugle had their franchise record with a 92 points uh, but Lulio what a what a powerhouse uh, throughout the se- se- season they really played uh, how do you say like like the, the most even hockey of any team in the Swedish hockey yeah they played players. consistently good hockey yeah, yeah, yeah. start to finish they were always I believe even after game number two they were in the top three for the entire season I think so yeah so, and uh, one of the other teams that I'm a little bit surprised how they finished in uh, the regular season that seemed to keep pace with Luleå up until about the New Year's break uh, was Frölunda, who finished outside the top six. Yeah, and they, they, they did. After the Champions Hockey League final, they just went, I don't know, in a down roll. Down roll. Uh, from, down from their, spiral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think they lost seven out of the last 12 or something in regulation. And I don't know what happened, really. Yeah, they and took a tumble. Neither do they seem to... And they're, they're one of the teams here in the league that are always consistently performing, and I think this might be one of the first times in a few seasons they finished outside the top six in the regular season. Yeah, it is, and obviously them being the powerhouse of Europe with their second or third Champions Hockey League title, I can't I think remember. it's their fourth. It could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is, it is. Because they won it last year as well. That's true. And they're the only only SHL team, I think they're the only team to win it multiple times, actually. Yes. Lulio has won it once. But uh, yeah, ever since it went from, what was it, the European Championship in 2012 to the CHL in 2013, Berlinda has kind of been the dominant force in that, in that tournament. So, 
a bit surprising to see them fall all the way into seventh at the end of the regular season. I think, uh, not knowing their thoughts, obviously, but I don't think they were kind of counting on being top two by the end of regular season, given how the Champions Hockey League unfolded for them. But losing out of the top six is not by any measure what they were counting on. Yeah, and uh, just do a rundown of the rest of the teams. Faristad finishing second overall, obviously not a big surprise to no, anyone there. They're no. always finishing near the top. Rogla, they, however... Let's, sorry, let's pause on Faristad because they did have their bumps on the way. They did uh, a few. Lo- they did, ha- did have a few uh, losing streaks. And yeah. They didn't kind of. They kind of lost their game in the midseason as well. Yeah, around, they found uh, their 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 group and really made one hell of a climb. Yeah, around by. December or so, I believe they were in seventh or eighth yeah. place overall, and then Re- they, looking really bad. Yeah, yeah but. Uh, they bounce back, especially given the fact that their top sniper, Michael Lindquist, went down with a knee injury that put him out, uh, I think that was December 16th, and I yeah. think that was kind of the low point for the team on the season, but yeah. they were able to bounce back, and uh, I actually had a chance to talk to the head coach, uh, Johan Penneborn, and uh, he had mentioned he was really not just proud of the team, but a bit surprised uh, just how well they were able to play uh, in the in the second half of the season and, and come back and uh, push for that top or the second spot in the regular season. Also, you have to give it to Pendleborn. He's been even keeled throughout the whole process. He's, he's never looked like stressed during this time. He's always put his trust in his players, um, talking very well about them, not always talking about the system, the, the team, not hanging out anyone out to dry. First, that's been consistent. Since Christmas, really, re- they've been really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but moving on, number three was uh, kind of the the sleeper, I guess, this season in Rogla, who under the uh, well, I guess, tutelage of the Abbott brothers, have had an incredible pair of seasons. Last year, making uh, the playoffs for the first time since 1994, and only the second time in playoff or in club history. Yeah. And now following that up with an even better season this year, finishing third overall. And also, they started last season really, really bad. I think they were in the bottom two until like December or something. Uh, I can't remember really uh, the exact dates. But then they did, they did find their groove. They came into the system. They kind of, yeah, they found their place. Every player found their place in the team. And since then, they've been one one of the powerhouses of the league, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like you said, the start of last season was a little bumpy for them, but uh, they just just managed to sneak into the playoffs. I believe they finished eighth last year. Yeah. And uh, obviously kept that success going this year after being eliminated in the first round by the Lakers. Unfortunately, didn't win a playoff game last year. Won't have the chance to do that this year. But definitely looking up for uh, for Rogla, that's for sure, in the near future. I think Rogla, or Rogla, as we say in Swedish, uh, I think their offseason will be one of the most interesting in the SHL because they're they're building on, on a solid foundation with uh, Matthias Sjögren and they've got Daniel Saar and other uh, other players. They're, they might lose Cody Curran. They should probably lose Cody Curran given how, on how he's played. Uh, Can't forget about the uh, the Zorro specialist and Niels Hoglander. Niels Hoglander, who we'll probably get back to, but but they have a way of finding replacements, and I think that their new Canadian, I believe, is uh, Chris Sosa. Yes, he is looking really really good so far. Yeah, but like you said, um, you know the biggest piece for them this season was Cody Curran on the blue line. Uh, he led all defensemen in points by a wide margin. I think he finished third or fourth overall just in points in general. I think he finished second, actually. Uh, which is incredible for a blue liner, obviously. And so he, he just finds success wherever he goes. He won the championship in Denmark. He won a championship in Norway. He was the Danish 
hockey MVP. He was the Norwegian hockey MVP. He was top defenseman in the SHL last year. Would not be surprised if he would got that honors again this year. And so, uh, like you said, it would be surprising if he returned. He's probably going to get a lot of high money offers probably. from Switzerland or the KHL. KHL. Yeah, and he did finish second uh, at forty nine points, twelve of them being goals, which is yeah from the blue line is an incredible feat. Yeah, it is. He's the only defenseman in the top seven. Then it's Johannes Schindel, actually, in the eighth place in HV71. Speaking of high-scoring defensemen, jumping back to Luleå, yes. Niels Lundqvist. Yes. Young guy, drafted by the New York Rangers. Would not be surprised if we see him in the NHL in the next couple of seasons. He should make the transition. Probably might even do so this summer. Well, this off-season, whenever it is. But At least go to prospects. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, he had a great season, um, put up some good numbers from the blue line, and was overall very, very impressive this season, especially as, is he 19 or 20? I think it's 20. Let's 20, look, yeah. I'll look it up while we're talking. Let's uh, run through the rest of the teams, I think. <clears throat> so, Haleftio yes. was one of the teams about a month ago that nobody expected to finish in the top six until they put together an 11-game win streak. Yeah, 10 of them coming in uh, the month of February, yeah. where they claimed 29 out of a possible 30 points, given we have a three-point system in Sweden. Which was amazing. Yeah, the only point they dropped was an overtime win against Oscar Scham yes. uh, about halfway through the month. But they did put together a perfect month in February. They did not lose a single game. Their last loss was January 26th, and then they had a loss on March 4th, I yeah. believe. They did lose the first game in March. Yeah, but uh, yeah, an absolutely incredible <laughs> run by Haleftu to finish the season, to finish in fourth overall. And uh, yeah, very, very impressive play from them. And especially, obviously, you want to get hot heading into the playoffs, and that's exactly what they did. Exactly. So the the end of the season came a bit abruptly to to them as well, obviously. HV71, also one of the teams that was kind of back and forth throughout the season, but they managed to pull it together at the end of the season, finishing fifth overall. They did. HV71 has been a powerhouse. In the early 2010s, they really were a powerhouse, and uh, taking a few steps back, but still keeping the core, or only exchanging a few pieces of the core per season. And they've been able to be like that fifth to seventh place team for many years now. Pretty consistently. Yeah, and, and always being dangerous in the, in the playoffs. Absolutely. And uh, a big piece that they were able to add this season, um, about halfway through the season, of course, was uh, Leas Anderson. Yeah. Uh, he had spent the last two seasons in New York kind of bouncing back and forth between the Rangers and their AHL affiliate. But after getting sent down again this season, he decided to come back to Sweden and keep playing and developing his game here. Yeah, and he did score 12 points in 15 games. Seven yep. of them being goals, so he had a he, he came in well to the HV seventy one system and the SHL again. So, looking good. And rounding out the top six, your Gordon, yeah, who I think a lot of people weren't expecting them to finish that low in the standings because typically they usually finish top three, top four. Yeah, and all uh, them also being another team with their share of troubles throughout the season, but they, they did find their game, especially after Dick Axelson came to the team. Actually, he he provided some depth scoring for them. And also, he got the, the younger guys going, so they were looking good heading to the, the, the now-canceled playoff. Well, yeah, they had a couple of players get off to odd starts to the season. Dick Axelson, like you had mentioned, uh, not too sure or positive on why he didn't start the season, but he ended up playing a few games in Division 5 or yeah, something, just with some friends of with, his. With a friend of mine, actually. <laughs> yeah, and so that was an interesting start Excuse me, to the season for him. And then, of course, Jason Garrison because of some Swedish tax laws that are boring and we won't get into, wasn't able to join the team until November. True. Um, and obviously he's one of their big blue liners. Jason Garrison, obviously, 
NHL veteran of 12 or 13 seasons, played a few years, uh, my favorite team with the Canucks. So it was uh, obviously a gap on their blue line for the first couple months of the season. Yeah. But once they got things together, they did They did have a decent performance they this did, year. Yeah. And like we were talking about earlier, Frolunda yeah. finishing 7th overall just outside of the top 6. We should also specify, if you didn't know, top 6 finishes in the regular season in the SHL get an automatic buy to the round of 8. Yeah, exactly. And, and 7 through 10 does like a round of 16 thing. And a best of 3 series. Yes. So, Frolunda finishing outside the top 6, and like we've mentioned, a uh, bit of a surprise there. Yeah, but they did have their reasons, I, I'd say. They were kind of, the schedule kind of hard through, I don't know, January, February, up until the finals, and then I guess they just let their go of it. Yeah, and uh, finishing 8th overall, which isn't surprising but at the same time Arebro had a fantastic start to the season especially given the fact the last two or three seasons they've been fighting to stay out of relegation and this year they just kind of turned things around and really got off to a a really hot start they made a remarkable turnaround in terms of establishing re-establishing themselves in the league but but a bit of a bumpy ride and they've had a a bit of a a surprising net with Dominic Fersh the Hungarian no. no, he's Czech, I believe. He's Czech, sorry. Yeah. I don't know where Hungary But he had from. an incredible season. Yeah, he did. And uh, we can get back to their goalie situation uh, in moments time. But they're looking solid as well. And they added uh, Robert Kovacs from, from Luleå mid-season. And he seemed to gel in pretty now, well. Now, that to me was a surprising move when that happened. Because Kovacs has obviously been with Luleå for a few seasons. He's yeah. had success there. He was their top scorer when he left. Yes. And so, do you have any insight as to why uh, the move? Any insight? I think there was a... There's nothing confirmed, obviously, but there might have been a locker room kind of thing going on. Mm. And also, uh, I believe his there's something with his family from that area of of the country, which is Örebro. So he wanted to get home. Yeah, he wanted to move at least to the southern part of Sweden because Ludo is as many, but not all of you might know uh, in the far north. So yeah, and uh, another surprising, well, maybe not surprising, but another player that really stepped up this season for Arebro was, of course, Matias Bromea. Yeah, he's he's had one hell of a season actually. Yeah, and uh, he he kind of went from he's playing, I believe, Division One three seasons ago, yeah. and he went from you know a fourth liner in the SHL to the top scorer on Arebro in the span of two yeah. seasons, and so he's really improved his game. He also had the most even strength points in the entire SHL this season. Really, thirty six. Yeah. He also is a Porsche salesman. Oh, there you go. <laughs> had a had a chat with him earlier in the season, and yeah, he uh, he sells Porsches in Arebro when he's not playing hockey. So. Now, who would, wouldn't want to do that as your like? Well, yeah, spare time you, you know, he said the the dealership provides him with a car he can drive around, so it's a pretty good deal just for that. Yes. All right, moving on. Uh, number nine was kind of a consistently bottom ten team this season in the Malmo Redhawks, as they just kind of bounced back and forth between seventh, eighth, and ninth all season long. They did, yeah. But when they turned things on, I saw a few games with them when they just flicked the switch and then scored four or five goals in a span of six to seven minutes a few times. Yeah. So they have the firepower, but they need the consistency, and now they're... They actually, it looks like they're adding a new coach today, and Joachim Fagerwald coming down from Björklöven in the second tier uh, league, Hockey Allsvenskan. Yep. Seems to be all, uh, all but done now, so... Well, that should be interesting for them next season, because yeah. uh, like you said, they, they obviously, when they were able to put things together and play a solid 60 minutes, they were they were a top team. And they have an, they have an exceptional goalie, they have some extraordinary, extraordinary firepower up front, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to see a blue liner be added to that team for them to be more consistent throughout next season, actually. Absolutely. And rounding out the top 10, 
the well i always get made fun of for saying this the vic uh, lakers oh there you go it's almost <laughs> swedish but uh obviously they've gone from setting almost a record for points in the shl in 2017 i think they were four or five points shy of Faryastad's point record yeah they had finished with 116 points i believe in 2017 which was an absolutely dominant performance they only lost one game in the playoffs they basically walked the, to the, the lamat trophy led of course by the young elias Pettersson. and now two seasons later they're struggling for a playoff spot. I don't know what to say, really, because I can't really explain it. But it looks like their system hasn't really kept up with the rest of the league mm-hmm. at, at certain points. And they still have... Well, obviously, uh, they lost a big piece in Liam Reddick's this season, True. their longtime captain. He went to the Belfast Giants, I believe, yeah. the EIHL. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, Elias Pettersson just spent that one season, and he's now lighting it up with uh, my hometown team of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, but other than that, they have kind of kept the integral core of the team that they had in 2017. You still have, you know, Daniel Rahimi on the back end as kind of their top D-man. You still have Victor Fast uh, and um, uh, Victor Andrin between the pipes as for goaltender. And so, like you said, it's it's hard to put your finger on it as to why they were struggling this year. It could be as simple as the message not getting through anymore from, from the coaching staff. Sam Hallam, or how do you pronounce it? Hallam? Hallam? Yeah. I, well, that's how I some, pronounce some, it. Yeah, I, like I defer to your expert <laughs> Swedish opinion. Uh, he's been there for quite a while, and sometimes the message just stopped going through. Yeah, and um, so those are the top ten, <laughs> and those are the playoff teams. Like we had mentioned, teams seven through ten play a best of three series, and then the top six go all the way through to the quarterfinals right away. But... Here in the SHL, there's also relegation and promotion. But there are two teams that just kind of don't do anything after the season's there's over. There's a two-team to- no man's land, yeah. And the two teams this season, finishing 11th overall. Linköping, which is, uh, well, our hometown team, my team. Um, they, it's, I kind of, actually, I put them down as 11th on our preseason tip. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I, I nailed it. Yeah. But they looked... Awful in the preseason. They looked horrible in, in the start of the season. But everyone, everyone you talked to throughout the season said, we're going to get better. We're going to find our groove. We're going to we're gonna hit our system. And they did. Unfortunately, it just came a little bit too late. But to me, it's perfect timing because they found their groove. They found their play. And now they know what to do until next season. And now they can develop it in the exactly. offseason and hopefully pick it back we up. We should mention Lynn Shopping has had a few coaches throughout the past few years. This was the first season with Beck Robertson mm-hmm. uh, coming down from Fredetio. Former <laughs> Canucks player Beck Robertson, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> not only that, but he obviously had an incredible winning pedigree in Halefteu. He did. Being in, what was it, six finals in eight seasons and winning two championships with them. Two, two as an assistant coach, four as... A head coach, so it was uh, obviously a big move for Lynch Hoping to bring a coach of that caliber yeah. in. And like you said, unfortunately, obviously bringing a new coach into to a team can sometimes have some bumps. But they definitely started to figure it out near the end of the season. We should also let's pause on Lynch Hoping for a while because there's we're going to go through the teams more <clears throat> in more depth throughout our podcast now since there's no games to be played. But Lynch Shopping are going through like a rebuild in the, in the in the entire organization. They've changed the general manager. They've changed the uh, well the staff off the ice basically. So there's a lot of changes going on within the four walls of of Saab Arena and uh, Lynch Shopping adding Bert Robertson early in the past postseason or past midseason so to speak uh, was a great move. And now today they actually announced their first signing because Lin- uh, sorry the SHL has a signing stoppage. You can't. Sign players right now due to the virus and all that. Yeah. 
Linköping had already signed Philip Berglund from Skellefteå, who played with Bert, well, well forward for a few years, and that defenseman we'll get back to. But it's looking good, it's looking really good, and I'm expecting them to be between fifth to eighth place next season. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and like you had mentioned, they really turned it around. Uh, they went from uh, a club worst 10 losses in a row to being probably one of the best teams in the league over the last month of the regular season. They were, yeah. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust in the offseason and hopefully bounce back well in next season. Because this is, yeah, two years in a row now that they have been outside the postseason at the end of the regular yeah. season. And 12th overall also in no man's land. What was it again? Brinus. Right, Brinus, <laughs> who also, second year in a row that they miss the, yeah. the postseason. And they've made a coaching change. Uh, Peter Anderson, coming from the Malmö Redhawks, uh, was announced earlier this week, yesterday, I believe, as Dave looks out, frowns, and looks at the snow falling outside. <laughs> Weird weather. Right yeah, now. it is. It's Anyways, it's coming P- down. Peter Anderson. Yeah. Well, I I don't know what to say about Brinus, because they they didn't really have their highs as high as, for instance, Malmö, hmm. who showed great uh, promise. Brinus honestly didn't. Uh, they've got some work to do there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's unfortunate that it usually seems the two newest teams to the league are always finishing in the bottom two. Yeah. It's very hard, obviously, to move up and be competitive in a league like this when you're coming in for your first season, especially for a smaller team such as Oscar Schaum. Yeah, they did the first SHL season ever. Uh, started off neatly. I think they won like five of their first yeah. six games. And then they went... Like the Titanic downwards, but they found some sort of game in the end, not winning games, but they tightened up their defense. And I think if had there been a qualifying series, we don't know what happens. Yeah. As of now, uh, I think they've had a chance at least. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I mentioned, relegation obviously here in the SHL. Team thirteen and team fourteen have to battle for their position in the SHL, and the top two teams in the uh, tier two league, Hockey Allsvenskan. Uh, have a chance to move up. And so, unfortunately, it's kind of up in the air right now as to what's going to happen for next season. There's been discussions (laughs) pretty much everywhere. Uh, By the looks of things, they will restart next season with the same teams, same 14 teams, uh, as as we had, uh, like we have this season. That's made other teams in in Hockey Allsvenskan really mad because... Which is understandable. For sure. I mean, Modo, everyone knows Modo internationally, basically. Yeah, that's Sedin's... Sedin's, Naslund, Forsberg. Naslund, Forsberg. You named them. Zetterberg, I think. No. No? No, he was Timro. Yes. Um, But we know Modo. And also the Swedish classic team, Björklöven. Yes. Battling for promotion. Uh, Not being allowed to do so as of now. We don't know. People are moving it to other instances, so... The last word has not been said, I think. Now, I should preface this with, this is my personal opinion. Yes. Speculation has nothing to do with what the league is doing, but I think it would be an interesting opportunity for the league to expand to 16 teams next season, bring up Bjorkloven and Moto, the top two teams in Allsvenskan, see how that works for a season. That way, Bjorkloven and Moto don't kind of get screwed over by the fact there's exactly. no relegation. Both Lexan and Oskarsham get another shot at it, yeah. and you increase the league by two teams. I completely agree. That, that now, would be my suggestion as well. Playoff situation with We didn't talk about Lexan. Right, let's go to Lexan first. <laughs> Getting off track here. <laughs> uh Lexan, they made some quite strong signings in the offseason. Yeah. Patrick Saxerson obviously coming in, uh Jonas Arnelev. Spencer Abbott. Spencer Abbott, uh Janne Juvonen from Mora. Um, they had on paper a pretty good team. 
on the ice, though they didn't... Just couldn't seem to make it work. No. Made an interesting coaching change throughout the season. I don't know the date exactly, but they did got Ulf Samuelsson as their new head coach. Yeah. Well known. I believe name. it was after New Year's. It was, yeah, yeah. But I can't remember the date uh, off the top of my head. So And they, they also found their groove. Um, now there's media speculation about a power struggle within their organizations. We'll see what happens with Samuelsson. Yeah. Anyways, so getting back to possibly 16 teams, how do you think the playoff situation would shake out with 16 teams? Do you oh, think they'd in- increase top six and then bottom six and then maybe have two divisions or I don't know? Honestly, I don't know either. And I think that's one of the issue, uh, uh, one of the things why they haven't gone down that route because they don't know either. Yeah. Uh, this is my speculation, obviously. Obviously, me and Dave working. On SHL.SC doesn't really have anything with the organization SHL to do. So no, everything on this podcast yes. obviously are our opinions, our views, nothing to do officially with the league. For sure, but it would be an interesting experiment, I guess. It would, yeah. And I don't know. I guess the northern teams are a lot more spread out than the southern teams. But do you think you'd be able to do a northern division and a southern division? No, kind you'd of have more to draw like that line pretty far south. I think so. Oh, yeah. Although adding both Modo and Björklöven would add to the northern part of Sweden yeah. because they're obviously far north. Well, it's kind of like Björklöven Western Conference in between. Well, actually, it would be Björklöven, Skellefteå, Luleå mm. in a pretty pretty close quarters combat yeah and then there's a i don't know a couple of hours drive down to 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 moto would it be yeah. and uh, then we have i don't know fairy stuff <laughs> yeah so well yeah it would kind of be like the nhl with the western conference exactly. being so spread out the yeah. eastern conference getting really close to <clears throat> yeah, each by, other, so. by swedish standards it's far by, by canadian standards it's going for a glass of milk i, think, so. <laughs> I don't know well my favorite saying was always uh what was it 300 kilometers in north america is nothing or is, is a short distance, but 300 years is a long that, time. That is true. That's actually completely really true. the opposite in Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really true. All right. Well, now that we've done the team rundowns and the standings, should we get into Lulium? We should. Excellent. Uh, I would like to start with Joel Azanati. Yes. Wow. What a season. Unbelievable. 159 GAA, I think. Oh, yeah. And a 928 save percentage, yeah. I believe. And just... Well, that goals against average was just insane. Yeah. I think a Lul- team effort. I, yeah. Well, that's not, that's the thing. I, I believe, Lulio, if you can pull up uh, their, their team stats, I believe they finished the season with an under two two goals against average. Oh. Either that or it might be like 2.02 or something. It was very, very low. Hang on. Oh yeah, they they had ninety eight goals allowed in fifty two games, so it's yeah, so it's one point. Uh, damn it! So it'd be one point nine five or something. But just finishing one point eighty eight. Just finishing under two is impressive. Yeah, but that was yeah incredible. And also, we should point out that Joe Lasanante has been consistently. In this region, not one point fifty nine, obviously, but but uh, it wasn't a surprise no, that he played that. No, well. and it's it's a, a product of the system, obviously, with Lulio tightening up uh, in the middle and also falling back quite a lot, going for that magical breakout pass from Lundqvist and also Eric Gustafsson. Yeah, and uh, yeah, their defense is cr- creating the offense from the turnovers and the, the breakout passes, but still, it's an incredible effort. And they weren't scoring a lot of goals. I think they, they were kind of middle of the pack, eighth or seventh or eighth overall, I believe, when it came to goals four per game. No, but they, they were uh, 
fourth actually. Oh, okay. So, so they, they improved in the in the last few few uh, months. But yeah, like you said, it's just they have such a fantastic back check. They're they're game in their own end. Not not to mention Lazanati, but like you said, it was a full team effort because Lazanati was obviously making the saves, but when you got a team that can keep those shots to the outside and not exactly. allow a lot of great opportunities. It makes Lazanante's job a little easier. Fun fact, there's no Lulio player on the top 25 uh, scorers of the season. Really? Yeah. I'm going to check it. Uh, Jack Connolly, I'm assuming, led them in points? Nope. Eric Gustafsson. Oh, the captain. Yeah. Also defenseman. Uh, with 32. Impressive season for a defenseman. Yes, but uh, given the 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 top uh, top team not having having anyone in the top twenty five, that's pr- pretty impressive team effort. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, like I said, Niels Lundqvist, the young defenseman, obviously would not be surprised if we see him on the blue line for the New York Rangers in the next few seasons. No, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, Brandstrom in the NHL as well. Uh, Isaac uh, Brandstrom. Isaac Brandstrom. Isaac, yeah, because, yeah. because Eric Brandstrom is. <laughs> Yeah, I always get those guys confused. The Emanuelson brothers also for Luleo. Oh, yeah. Always we... solid and very dependable. Yeah. I, I found it interesting, though, that Berglund decided to play them on separate lines this year, whereas last season they played on the same line. Oh, that's true. That's so, true, yeah. But they can drive their own lines. Absolutely. And it's not <laughs> going any deeper in the comparison to Conor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but when you have two offensive weapons like the, the Emanuelson brothers, you should divide them. Diversifies, the, yeah. the, 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 the diversifies up front and gives you... Two good lines versus yes. one spectacular yes. line. Yes, and given the fact that Lulio has such a defensive system, pr- uh, splitting those two up would could possibly be why we see them in the top four uh, as a goal scorer this season. Absolutely. Also, I want to mention Johanna Turvenen. Hmm. Not the, only that, uh, not only Turvenen, but also uh, Ilamaki. R2 Ilamaki. True, true. Bringing in the two Finns this season, and both of them, but like especially Turvenen, yeah. just seem to melt into the lineup and just adjusted so well. Yeah. And Looked like he had been playing with his line for, for a couple of seasons. Lulio has probably one of the most advanced scouting in the Finnish league in the entire SHL. They have a Finnish pedigree uh, going way back with Jarmo Mullis, the goalie coming over in the, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s, taking them to the first and only uh, championship title in 1996. And uh, actually, in on that team, Thomas Berglund, their coach, was one of the players. And I spoke to Thomas about this in, I don't know, December. We talked about how they scout in Finland. Because they seem to hit on pretty much each and every player. That they bring over from yeah, Finland, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the ones they don't, they get rid of instantly and then they just bring up a new one. Yeah. So, and they have a nice system going for Finnish players. And I believe that when Finnish players look at the Swedish Hockey League... Luleå is most likely their, their first option. And of course, Thomas Berglund played 17 seasons, I Something believe, with like Luleå. Yeah, yeah. So obviously he's very familiar not only with the team, but also with what works for the team. Exactly. So, but like you said, very successful pedigree for Finnish players up in Luleå, that's for sure. Who else we got? Players, player-wise? Yeah. Did we talk about... You did mention Jack Connolly. Yes, of course, um, um, the American. Just for Selgrind? Uh, the D-man had a great season. Isaac Brandstrom, uh, 18 points in 52 games for Brandstrom, but he's not a productive center. He's more of a two-way player. So, but uh, yeah, Jack Connolly obviously. Noel Gundler, yes, another we talk, someone we should talk about. I can't remember. Is he drafted? Let's cut. This I believe one. so. Uh, yeah, he's a, a one, so he should be drafted. Let's cut this out. This Islanders. No, oh, he's no, going he, this summer. So yeah, he's, okay. He's top prospect. What is he rated overall for European skaters? 10. 
Tenth overall. So he should obviously be going in the first round. Yeah, he's going to. And that, but it's, but the look of things uh, when I listen to like North American podcasts, no one's talking about him. Yeah. So that's a dark horse going into the draft for most uh, North American hockey fans, I think. Yeah. Well, Which is awesome. Yeah. Because one these dark horses seem to actually they, they we do have a quite a few Swedish dark horses every year. No Miller, yeah. who's no surprise to anyone in Sweden. Yeah, will be one of those for for the North American. I mean, fans. and he wasn't necessarily a dark horse, but Elias Pettersson was projected ninth or tenth overall. It's true. And I know myself and a lot of Canucks fans were a bit upset when we picked him fifth overall because he was rated a little bit lower. And obviously, the Swedish scouts at the Canucks basically said you need to draft this kid. And well, the rest I think is no, history. I don't think no one's upset anymore. No, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> Well, 610, I guess that just about does it for episode one. It was a little bit short, but we are expecting a bit of a longer episode for episode two. We've got a, quite a bit to talk about. A lot of stuff to talk about. And we're going to go through regular yes. as our team of the week or per episode, since there's no hockey to be played. So we might as well do a wrap-up. Absolutely. Um, a mass exodus out of the Malmo Redhawks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some other signings. Uh, coach... Uh, coach to be revealed or did was revealed by Brinas and uh, yeah we got stuff to talk about and going over some prospects from the 2019 draft class oh yeah that's that's as well I forgot about that excellent Sorry. but we have set up our Twitter account as well it showed us how little we know actually about Twitter <laughs> about ad- administrating rights apparently yeah um, but uh, if you just want to pull that up six yeah, because do that we went through two or three different handles and I'm not so too sure so you can which hit one. us up at across the pond well it should actually just to look for the name but it's across t pond pod with one d at the end perfect so we got that set up make sure to follow us on twitter for updates and of course new episodes and uh like we said we'll be back with a lot more content for episode two yep